Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. One of the most interesting features of Lactantius's treatise on the anger of God is that he's going to take a, a strong stance on God not just having analogies to emotions, behaving in certain ways like a person who feels something, but actually feeling certain emotions, certain affects, affectiones in Latin. And, you know, we don't necessarily have to translate that as emotions. We could translate it as affects or affections. But it's pretty clear that Lactantius does think that God feels things that are are similar to what it is that we human beings do feel. And in chapter four, because this is scattered across the work, he's going to be, you know, criticizing the school of Epicurus, and he tells us that there's anger in God and kindness, but the Epicureans think that that isn't the case. So God is not inactive, and that's one of the key differences between Lactantius's point of view and that of several others as well, and that of the Epicureans. The Epicureans thought that the gods basically don't do anything. That's why they're not affected by what we human beings do. That's why they're actually blessed. And Lactantius is going to say that God is not inactive. He's involved in, you know, the administration of the world. He answers prayers, cares for things. And he says, what happiness can there be in God if he's always inactive, being at rest and unmovable? Happiness here is beatitudo. Blessedness is another way of translating it. And this is an affective state. God also has, as he says, care, cura, for things in general and also in particular. So there are, you know, you could say intentionalities or comportments that are involved there. And he says Epicurus made a mistake that is understandable. So what is it? He says that being led from the beginning by the probability of a single opinion, he necessarily fell into the things which followed. What was the first opinion, well, anger is not consistent with the character of God. And so then he bought into that and was unable to refuse the consequences, saying that because one affection being removed, necessity compelled him to remove from God the other affections or emotions as well. So he goes on and he says, he who is not subject to anger is plainly uninfluenced by some other ones, right? Kindness, gratia. He's also not affected by Fear, metus in Latin. Joy, laetitia. Grief, murder. Pity, misericordia. This, this last one is very, very important for Christian thinkers because God is depicted as feeling pity or compassion for the miserable creators, the misery, right? So what is Epicurus doing here? He's saying, well, God can't feel any of these. Why not? As Lactantius puts it, All the affections have one system, one motion, and the word there is commotio. And the idea is that there's like one 
let's call it manifold for the emotional states. And if you're going to take away one emotion, you, you really have to eliminate all the rest. And Lactantius doesn't buy that. In chapter five and six, he's going to consider a rival school, that of the Stoics, who do seem to think, at least according to Lactantius, that God does feel some emotions, for example, care or exhibits goodness, kindness to people, but he doesn't feel anger. Why not? Because anger is a bad emotion. It can't be good in any respect. And Lactantius goes on and says, if God is not angry with the impious and the unrighteous, it's clear he doesn't love the pious and the righteous. So the error of those is more consistent who take away both anger and kindness. The Stoics are just being kind of inconsistent. And not only is God angry and kind, or God angry and loving. God is angry. God becomes angry. God exhibits anger, Lactantius says, precisely because God is kind. And this is in chapter six. He says, it follows that God is angry because he is moved by kindness, right? So the exhibiting feeling anger is not something opposed to kindness. It's actually intrinsically connected with it. Now, does this mean that God would feel the entire panoply of what we could call human emotions? Well, if we look at chapter 15, we see that Lactantius thinks that there are some emotions that will not be in God. And so once again, he's taking Epicurus as sort of the opponent. He says, Epicurus opposes us and says, if there is in God the affection of joy leading him to favor and hatred influencing him to anger. So now we've got like four different emotional states. He must of necessity have both fear and inclination and desire and the other affections that belong to human weakness. Now, is this in Epicurus's text as we have them? No, this must be some lost passage. Now, Lactantius says this doesn't actually follow. There's no reason to think that this is the case. It does not follow that he who is angry must fear or that he who feels joy must grieve. In short, they who are liable to anger, he says, are less timid and those who are of a joyful temperament are less affected with grief. So even if we look at human beings, it doesn't follow that because a person feels one emotion, they must feel all of the emotions. Some of the emotions are actually kind of opposed to each other. And then he says, we don't have to talk more about humans. Let's talk about the divine necessity. Let's consider fear. Why would God feel fear? Because God would have to worry about something greater than God that could damage God or hurt God or something like that. Can, can that be the case? He says, you know, human beings are liable to all sorts of problems, right? Want, injury, pain, death, but nothing can offer violence to God, not in a way that actually affects God. So God doesn't have fear. What about desire, sexual desire specifically, libido? Well, I mean, the ancient Greek gods wanted to get it on with each other and human beings, but you know, the God of Christianity is a sort of solitary thing. And you could say, well, what about the Trinity? And okay, that, that's true. But the persons of the Trinity don't want to screw each other, right? He says that, you know, why do we feel libido or sexual desire? Well, it's a way of reproducing the race. Does God have to do that? No, there's no female in, in whose union he's able to reject 
rejoice and he doesn't need succession because he will live forever and ever. And then he talks about two other emotions, envy, envidia, right? Why would God be envious of anybody? He doesn't need anything that anybody has, right? And then what's translated in this one is passion, but we could look at it as desire more generally, or perhaps even greed. Later on, he's going to talk about greed per se, this desire for more stuff, which could be manifest in a number of ways. Well, God's got everything God needs. So God doesn't feel these emotions, right? Then in chapter 16, there's a much more thorough discussion about what it is that God feels and why God feels it. And the, you know, very chapter of God and his anger and affections, the affecciones. So, you know, he goes on and he says that it's not right that when God sees all these wicked things that people are doing, he wouldn't be moved and arise to take vengeance upon the wicked and destroy the pestilent and guilty so as to promote the interests of all good people. So why does God get angry? Why does God punish? I mean, it's partly to say, oh, you poor bastards, you need to get your head straight and quit doing all this stupid stuff. But it's also to protect the good. Leaving them vulnerable to the wicked would actually be a lack of kindness, a lack of care. Beneficence and anger are intrinsically connected with each other, as we saw a little bit earlier. And then he also tells us that even in anger, there is contained a showing of kindness, gratificatio right? Kindness both to the the good, but also kindness perhaps to those who are being punished. He goes on and he says, because there are some affections to which God is not liable as desire, fear, avarice, grief, and envy, right? So we see that there's a number of different affections and the avarice is avaritio, which is like the cupiditas that we just discussed. God doesn't have these. He's not subject to these affections. Why? Why not? Because they are, as Lactantius will tell us, vicious affections. They are the things that feed into vices. Vices, bad traits of character that in many cases go to the very core or bottom of your soul. And so God isn't going to feel those. But then he goes on and he says, on the contrary, those which belong to virtue, those are things that God will feel. And what are these? So anger towards the wicked, ira in malos, anger directed towards people who are doing the wrong things, people who are bad, right? But he also says love towards the good or benefit, however you want to translate caritas, right? Which is the Latin equivalent of agape in Greek, this love that flows out of God, caritas in bonos. He also does feel one other that Lactantius is going to highlight here, pity towards the afflicted. And notice the choice of terminology here. It's not the usual misericordia, it's actually miseratio, which is, it's got a sort of sense of like God actually feeling something towards them by way of compassion in afflictus, in the people who are suffering, right? So because God is virtuous, because God is just and good, he will feel certain emotions, right? He says, inasmuch as they are worthy of the divine power, he has affections of his own. And what are these? These are both 
just and true. If he's not possessed of them, the life of human beings would be thrown into confusion. But God, in fact, does feel these things and provides us with a kind of example that we can follow of what it would be like to have virtuous emotions, that is, emotions which reflect and feed into goodness, truth, and justice. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works. <laughs>